0: Welcome to Fake News, a fiery but mostly peaceful podcast where we dismantle the media misinformation that floods our news feeds all week long. The media tries to mislead you literally every day. But each episode of this podcast will leave you more equipped to correctly interpret the news and spot their deception quicker than before. This is Luke Taylor, an austere religious scholar who will be your host in this retrospective edition of Fake News. And I'm coming to you for the third time this week. That's because I have uh, I took like six weeks off from doing this show, and I have a bunch to catch up on. Too much, and I just decided that I w- I would just do a series of shorter episodes to kind of like reflect on a few things that have happened here over the past. Uh, well, actually, this is going to be a reflection of a story that's really been developing for more than a year. But uh, I I just wanted to just do some quick, some quicker, <laughs> you know, like thirty minute if that's quick to you, 30 minute reflections. It's quick in comparison to, you know, some episodes of this show go on for an hour and a half. So, uh, I bet I just don't want to, I didn't want to do that. I just want to, I didn't want to come back with just a big giant episode talking about everything from the past six weeks, everything on my mind. I'm just going to do some shorter episodes for a while. That's a little bit more manageable to me. And so let's just get into it. Um, it was about one year ago that Elon Musk announced his plans By Twitter. I remember because I was gonna talk about it a year ago. Um, I I remember when it happened, it was the week of, of Easter of 2022. So, which I personally I call it Resurrection Sunday, but that's a different story. But anyway, Easter Sunday, that week, you know, Good Friday, all of that. That same week, Elon Musk, who was known for being the the inventor, I guess, or owner of the Tesla brand of automobiles, electric cars. Um, as well as just being a very successful entrepreneur um, and and being a little bit outspoken on some cultural issues, not not what I would define as a right-winger, but definitely not a left-winger either, just kind of a guy who thinks outside the box, plays to the tune of his own, lives according to the beat of his own drum, or however that expression goes, but uh, definitely was deep into tech, but th- he announced his intentions to actually buy the Twitter platform. Now, Twitter had apparently been in a little bit of financial trouble over lead, like leading up to this the company had ceased to be profitable and yet it was so big it was kind of one of those too big to fail type of things probably the second most used social media net- network other than um facebook or if you count youtube it's probably like third behind them i mean it's a very well-known very highly used uh, social media platform and so you know it's like it, it c- could twitter collapse because they're going to run out of money or, you know, have to fire too many people or whatever. And so um, they were looking for a way out. Elon Musk came charging in and announced that he intended to buy Twitter because he wanted to make it a free speech platform, a platform to preserve free speech. Um, So let's talk about that issue and some some of the cultural things that were going on at that time. Free speech was definitely under attack in this country uh, in, in a way that it never had been before because technology has made it so easy to cancel somebody. Uh, we talk a lot about cancel culture nowadays. That's this idea that you don't like somebody, you don't like what they have to say, or you don't like what they stand for, or they did something that was too far outside um, what is considered acceptable by, I guess we could say the left. And so they decide to cancel you. They decide to kick you out. And uh, they they shut down anywhere that you could have a voice. And so much of our modern world is done through our phones, onto social media, through the internet, and so cancel culture is a way of just taking someone out of the digital realm, which which effectively mutes them. It effectively silences them and their voice in society. Uh, it you know it's it, it's a, a way of forced you know instead of ignoring it till it goes away, forcing people to ignore you, taking you off of any platforms that could spread your message. And so that's what cancel culture is. Uh, that's one way you could define what cancel culture was. And so we saw this really explode around the time of 2020. You know, if you said something that, that the, that Dr. Fauci did not agree with in regards to all the COVID information and, and misinformation and all that, if you were labeled a, a disseminator of disinformation, um, they could just take you off of social media and we saw this, just an explosion of it around that time. There was also all the, the Black Lives Matter riots back in 2020. And so, of course, with all that going on, if you said anything that, if anything about you or your history was considered racist, you were taken off. Um, you know, it didn't matter who you were. If you were a, a, a radio host, a famous TV star, a, um, I think Paula Deen, was this around that time that, that Paula Dean, you know, someone alleged or or there's a quote of her using the N-word like 20 years ago, and so they canceled her? I mean, it's just any, anything, th- there was kind of this, I, maybe what you call a moral panic about race. There was a panic about COVID, and, uh, and there was a panic about the election and our democracy and all that. And so um, we just kept seeing people get kicked out, fired from their jobs, kicked off of social media. Um, then it got taken to a very extreme level at the beginning of 2021, whenever president Donald Trump was kicked off of Twitter as, as he was, even though he's on his way out, he was a sitting president. Um, he had told a lot of, uh, some people might not want to hear this, but (laughs) I think you need to hear this. He had said a lot of dishonest things after the 2020 election. Now I'm not saying that it wasn't rigged or whatever. I would not be surprised whatsoever if there was some kind of rigging of the election going on. But the fact is, Trump made a lot of claims, it, like as far as the details that he was claiming about the rigging of the election, that did not pan out. He said a lot of dishonest things, really got his base riled up with all this talk of the, the, that the election was stolen. He hired all these lawyers who would go out and tell the public hey, the election was stolen, Donald Trump's been ripped off, you know, this was a fraud, this is a sham. They were saying all that stuff, but then they would go into the courtroom and that is not the case that they were making when they'd go before a judge. So they did not have the evidence. They'd go out and tell you that they had the evidence, but they lied to you. And Donald Trump and his team, they lied to you during that time, saying that they had all this evidence. They did not. And so the judges looked at the lack of evidence and said, we can't do anything with this. You know, and then there was this controversy about mike pence they said well he needs to hold up the um what whatever they whatever they called it like sealing the election results on january 6th of 2021 they were like he he should not certify the election and uh, so they they tried to pass the buck to him and say it was all his fault but trump's team had not made their case in court they had not made a legal case they had tried to win in the court of public opinion and that was as far as it ever got so I'm not a fan of what Trump was doing. I'm not a fan of his behavior after the 2020 election. I think he should have just conceded and not made claims of voter fraud until he had proof. Again, I would totally believe there was there was fraud because I think this mail-in ballot thing. I've said many times on this podcast. I don't trust the results when you do all this mail-in voting. I don't. I don't. It doesn't make sense to me that it takes them longer to count votes, even though the votes are coming in earlier than they used to. Doesn't make sense to me. Does it make sense to me why the, all these counties, when a Democrat is not doing as well, they freeze the voting for the night and then they come back to count some more the next day and the Democrat always seems to pull ahead? You know, that doesn't that doesn't make logical sense to me. But you got to have proof when you go into a courtroom. If you don't have the proof, you shouldn't go around spouting off about that stuff. So I think Trump blew it. I think he does bear some responsibility for what happened on January 6th. Yeah, FBI could have been involved. Um I'm sure they were involved. But there were also some regular Joes who got caught up in Trump's rhetoric. And so they stormed the Capitol. And then this created a moment where all the social media platforms cracked down hard on us conservatives. So if you were, could be labeled an election denier, if you said things, uh, there were suddenly these very tight restrictions that were put on conservatives that were never in place for Democrats Back when they were claiming the 2016 election was stolen, you know, there was never all this, oh, you're a threat to our democracy stuff. When the the left claimed for three years that Donald Trump was a Russian spy or whatever, <laughs> that he colluded with Russia, that they, they they never had rules back then. But as soon as Trump lost and, and President Biden was going into office, well, then they cracked down. And if you said anything that you didn't go along with the, the narrative that they wanted on the election results, that it was a safe and fair and free election, if you didn't agree with that, you could be taken off of these social media platforms, as well as for all the so-called COVID disinformation, and uh, you know, they call you an anti-science, anti-vaxxer, science denier, you know, all that junk that the left does to label people. Um, this was cancel culture. And so it was becoming a major problem in this in this country. And as I said, I was not a fan of what Trump was doing after the election, but... That doesn't mean that you should kick him off of social media because he, we, we, we can't cancel people for that. <laughs> That's not a justifiable reason to take someone off of social media just because they lied. That's a standard you got to hold everybody to then. And the thing is these tech platforms and these left-wingers, they don't, they don't hold everyone to the same standard. So it's a junk standard. I, you know, the only standard they believe in is the double standard. Or how does it go? They say if they didn't, the left if they didn't have double standards, they wouldn't have standards at all. That's how it goes. Um, So if, but anyway, just and I do think Trump told a lot of lies. I acknowledge that, but that is not a justifiable reason to take him off of all of his social media. That was they were just looking for an excuse to do it. They wanted to do it for a long time. That was their excuse. So in that atmosphere of conservatives are feeling very much like our first amendment is at serious risk in this country the reason we say that um, because what the left will always come back with is hey they are a private company they can accept and reject whoever they want it's not a threat to your first amendment freedoms because they can allow whoever they want on the platform you don't have a first amendment right to use twitter okay that's what they always come back with so my response is um, even if it's not free speech, even if it's not a legal issue for free speech, we still need a free speech culture in this country for the purposes of national unity. We don't want a cancel culture. We want a free speech culture. One that as I, you know, as it used to, I thought, I thought this is what we used to say in this country. I may not agree with what you're saying, but I would defend with my life. You're right to say it. That's what we used to say. I may not agree with what you're saying, but I would defend with my life. you right to say it. We said that because we knew the value in this country in the past of free speech, but also I'd also counter, I don't agree that there's a, um, legal basis for taking someone off of Twitter or Facebook or whatever, that they can kick somebody off just because they don't like that person. They don't want to use, you know, a lot of person to use their platform. Um, Because we have to talk about what social media is. This would be a whole other podcast. But basically, if you say something like, say, slander somebody, you know, libel. Say you libel somebody on on a social media post. You could be sued for that. You know, you could be held legally responsible for that. But we can't sue Facebook for that. We can't sue Twitter for that. We sue the person who said it. So, see, free speech platforms, they want the right to edit the content that's on their platforms... But they don't want the legal burden of the speech that they do allow. So that what I would I, I should do a whole episode about that um, to explain my point of view on this. But basically, social media wants to have it both ways. They want to be able to edit the things that are said as if they're an editor. Um, when they, what they so basically that makes them the publisher of the content. But then whenever it comes to the the legal responsibility for what is allowed on their platform, they don't want any of the legal responsibility. They want all that to fall on you. But then when it comes to what they let you say, they want to be able to edit the things that you say. So anyway, I don't, I don't think they should have that right. I don't think that is actually a legal right. I think you can make a legal case that they have to pick one lane or the other. Are they a publisher or are they a platform? That would be a whole other episode. If you want an episode about that, breaking all that down, we could do that sometime. But anyway, I wouldn't even say that they actually should have a legal right to kick people off of their platforms the way that they have been. So all of that that I've said so far has led up to Elon Musk's decision to buy Twitter. Not that he's a Trump fan, but that he is a free speech fan. And he could see that all these social media tech giants were banding together to silence voices that they did not agree with. And he looked at that and he said, that's not right. And I'm sure he also looked at Twitter's, you know, their, um, at their bottom line and had an idea of what he could do to make the company more profitable because as i said it was it was tanking and it was one of those too big to fail type of situations you know is is the government going to let twitter fall you know they're i'm sure they would have bailed him out if it came to that elon musk came around and offered 44 billion dollars for the company that was about a year ago the deal did not go through till last fall i mean it was a major deal there were some legal issues they had to work out uh, but I think it ended up being that was the price he ended up buying it for. Um, But anyway, the deal finally went through last fall. He became the owner and CEO of Twitter. And so at the time he acquired the company, I think I read they had about 8,000 employees. He has cut that number down to about (laughs) 1,500. So way more than half of the people that were working there when he took over the company. He's cut all that out. They were these whiny, you know, vegan tofu eating leftists who didn't even think they should have to come into the office. He said, hey, you're not going to work here unless you put in your 40 hours here at the office. He said um, that, you know, they're getting rid of a bunch of these free ride things that the company had been doing, like free lunches for everybody every day. Uh, the, the company was wasting so much money on having a cafeteria. And yet ever since COVID, they, the employees weren't even coming in to work. They were working remotely. And so he looked at this. He said, this is not a profitable way to run a company. That's why they're tanking. He went from 8,000 employees to about 1,500. Everyone said, oh, Twitter's going to collapse. It's going to fall apart. You need those 8,000 employees. Uh, (laughs) There's been a few days where there were technical glitches. Once in a while, I haven't even, I've barely noticed any technical glitches on Twitter. I don't live on Twitter. I get on it a few times a day. Like about any, uh, I I spend a lot of time on Facebook because it's tied in with my job. But I don't spend a whole bunch of time on Twitter. It has worked fine for me basically every day since he took over. Um, so there's a lot of fake news out there that the company about to, the, you know, the, the app is about to crash. It's got to collapse. They can't sustain it with 1,500 employees. I tell you what, if you use Twitter, you know they're doing fine. They're doing just fine. There's been floods of news stories about ever since Elon Musk took over the platform, there's been all this increased hate speech. Okay, When you hear those stories, one, you gotta note a few things. The left defines hate speech as saying, uh, stuff like my podcast, if you don't agree with like the transgender crap, if you don't agree with uh, um, the ra- critical race theory they could they say that you then they just say, if you don't want critical race theory theory taught in schools, that you are um, you d- you deny that slavery even happened. <laughs> I mean, that's how insane these people are. So when they say there's hate speech, one, you got to remember what they define as hate speech is ridiculousness. Two, um, they don't give a lot of examples when they say there's been a big explosion of hate speech. Three, if there is an explosion of hate speech, it could be bot accounts. It could be left-wing accounts that are trying to make Twitter look bad. I mean, they could just be bots that are out there dropping the N-word or something like that. I personally have not seen it. I haven't seen it. I see all these articles that, oh my gosh, all the hate speech on Twitter now. I mean, I, I think I know what the left considers hate speech and I have not seen it myself on Twitter. And then that actually brings me to the the greatest moment of this whole thing. Okay. Of Elon Musk taking over Twitter is that a reporter from the BBC came in and, um, and he came in. <laughs> I think this is why the reporter showed up. Let me, let me back up just a moment. So, over the past couple of weeks, uh, NPR, which is national public Radio, okay, this is a news organization that's funded by our tax dollars, uh, which is pretty crazy. It's a government government news. Um, they control PBS and all that too. And so um, one of the things that's on Twitter is that if a if a news organization um, is putting out, if they're like run by the state, for example, like a Chinese Twitter account that's from a Chinese media company, but it's run by the Chinese government, um, because in, in, in China, it's very common that the news organizations are actually just run by the government and just tell you stories that the government wants you to hear. So what, what social media does, or Twitter anyway, it will label that account, it'll say state affiliated media, like, you know, for a Chinese newspaper that's actually just government propaganda, they'll put it on there. You know, when you click on their profile, it's going to say state affiliated media, so this is a very common thing um, that they do for for different countries. What was kind of hilarious is that Elon Musk said, "Well, NPR is funded by the government at least partially, so we're going to call them state-affiliated media." And he put that label on NPR. Well, then NPR got mad and they announced they're not going to use Twitter anymore. <laughs> you know, it's not fair that they are held to the same standards as everybody else. <laughs> So um, they said they're pulling off their Twitter account. They're pulling off their PBS account, which to me, all this, this just means less fake news that's out there on uh, on Twitter. And so then the BBC, which is the British Broadcast Corporation um, or company, I, I can't think of what the BBC stands for. I guess I could Google it. Or let me just ask Siri for us. Hey, Siri, what does BBC stand for? Here's some information. Okay, so BBC stands for British Broadcasting Corporation. Um, and so anyway, I guess they also got labeled because I guess they're paid for by their government. I don't know much about the BBC. Yeah, it's it's a government corporation, it looks like here. So um, the BBC also got this same label slapped on them, state-affiliated media. And they sent a reporter out to talk to Elon Musk about it. And so <laughs> and he invited them right in. You know, they showed up at the door requesting an interview. He let them come right in. They set up their cameras. And he does this interview with this guy from the BBC who's claiming that there's all this fake or uh, all this hate speech that's exploded on the platform ever since Elon Musk took it over. Which, again, that's the that's the narrative from the left. I have no idea if it's true or not. I doubt that it is. I'm almost certain that they're lying about it. But anyway, (laughs) he asks for evidence of this. And I want to play this whole like two minute clip because you got to hear this in this entirety. It's a beautiful thing.
1: Content you don't like or or hateful. What do you mean to to describe a hateful thing?
0: Yeah, I
2: I mean, you know, just content that will solicit a a reaction, something that may include something that is slightly racist or slightly sexist, those kinds of those kinds of things. So you think if something
1: is slightly sexist, it should be banned?
2: I, n- no. Is I'm that not, what you're saying? I'm not saying anything. I'm, saying, well, I'm just curious.
1: I'm trying to say what you mean by hateful con- content, and I'm asking for specific examples. Um, and, if, and you just said that if something is
2: slightly sexist, that's hateful content. Does that mean that it should be banned? Well, you've asked me, you've asked me whether my feed, whether it's got less or more, it, I'd say it's got slightly more. That's um, why I'm asking for examples. Can you, I, can you name one example? I, I honestly don't. Use, I, I, honestly, you I don't can't use, name a I, single example. I'll tell you why, because I don't actually use that for you feed anymore because I, I just don't particularly like it. But and you said actually, a lot of people. A lot of people are quite similar. I, 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 only, well, well, I only. look well, at Hang my, on a my second. You said you've seen
1: following. more hateful content, but you can't name a single example. Not even one.
2: I'm not sure I've used that feed for the last three or four weeks, and well, I. Well then, I'm how did you
1: I, see the hateful content? content?
2: Uh, there are many uh, organizations that say that that kind of information is on the rise. Now, whether, whether it has on my feed or not... Give me one example. Not, I mean, I, right. And literally you literally can't you look name look at something one. like the, the uh, Strategic Dialogue uh, Institute in the, U, in the UK, they will say that. So you, they, look,
1: people will say all sorts of nonsense. I'm literally asking for a right. single example, and you can't name one. Right, and
2: as, as I already said, I don't use that feed. But let's, well, then how let, would you know? Let, that I you, don't think you, this is getting anywhere. You literally
1: said you experienced more hateful content. And then couldn't name a single example. Right, and as I said, I that's
2: absurd. I haven't, I haven't actually looked at that feed. I then would how would you know this weeks? hateful content? Because I'm saying that's what I saw a few weeks ago. I can't give you an exact example. Let's move on. We have, we only have a certain amount of time. Um, well,
0: I feel not one ounce of sympathy for this, um, <laughs> this idiotic reporter. I hope he was fired before he got back to London. Like I, that is just uh, egregious. That. <laughs> <laughs> that he goes in there and he doesn't have a shred of proof. So you heard him try to backtrack there that Elon Musk says, okay, well, where have you seen it? He's like, well, I haven't seen it. I just heard other people saying it. And it's like, well, okay, well, how do you know that, you know, can you give me an example? And this guy does not have a single example. I don't have to go through it all again. Cause you just heard it. But, um, that's one of the great things about Elon Musk is he smells bull crap. And if you try to spread it around him, he will call you out on it. And that, so that's one of the things I love about this guy. Um, and, and here's another great thing that he did uh, is that not only, not only did now, now that he's taken it over, Twitter is this free speech platform where you can say pretty much just about anything you want. There's, there's the very baseline, like trolling rules and stuff like that, that um, are applied pretty objectively, but you can, you know, you can go on there and you won't necessarily, you won't have, you won't be muted or kicked off. If you say that Bruce Jenner is still a man, you know, you can say that now. And, and as well as all those other stuff, um, that has been getting people kicked off and you can tell the truth there and you can lie there. And I hate to say it, but I mean, that's part of the first amendment. The first amendment protects people's right to go on social media and lie. And the reason that that's important to preserve that is because if we start saying you can't go out there and, and say this, you know, this, this would be a lie and you can't go out there and say it whenever you do that, who gets to decide what's the truth? who gets to decide what's true or not? Well, the government gets to decide the social media company gets to decide. And what we saw in 2020 is that the government and the social media companies get a lot of stuff wrong, or they lie to you. They you know, like Anthony, Anthony Fauci going out and saying that masks are, it's ridiculous to try to buy up masks because they would not help protect you from COVID whatsoever. You know, he was saying that back when COVID was new and then not very long later, you know, and the, and, you could have been if you had if you had said hey wear a mask to protect yourself from coronavirus you know you could be just labeled spreading covid misinformation and look at how quickly they changed their tune on that you know then that was the tune in like february and march we've talked about it on this show before they were saying oh americans trying to get masks right now that's just ridiculous well then april comes around of 2020 and they're saying everybody needs to have a mask. And it was it was just, a, and if you even questioned it, starting all of a sudden, if you even questioned it, you could be muted on social media. Uh, you'd be canceled. And so the, the reason I think it's important to preserve even the right to lie, okay? Even as much as I hated Donald Trump's lies and I think they were damaging to society, he should have a right to say them because the government should not have the right to tell anybody what's true or not. The social media companies don't have a right to tell anybody what's true or not. These are human-led organizations. They have agendas. They are not objective. They want to push a narrative, and so when they have the power of the so-called truth in their hands, they will use it against anyone who is their political enemy. They will use. They will take it as a power grab, and they will, <laughs> like we saw in the in the cases of COVID, um, not 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 the sickness cases, but I mean like. The case studies of people kicked off these social media platforms, sometimes they'd be kicked off for saying things because they were told that they were spreading misinformation and it would later turn out that those things that they were saying were true. Now everybody knows, not everybody, I guess, but now it's pretty well known that the masks don't do anything to stop the COVID, you know, which it was obvious to many of us in 2020 when we'd say, look at the states that have mask mandates versus the ones that don't and everyone's doing basically the same on handling this crisis. Well, the, you know, the, so the government does not have a right to tell you what the truth is, and neither does Twitter. And Elon Musk recognizes that, so he bought Twitter to tell everybody they can say what they want. And here's what I've noticed is now this has put it basically put an end to cancel culture. I haven't heard of anybody being canceled over the past, you know, 6 months or so since he took over Twitter ever since he stopped kicking people off. Do you want to know why? Why have all these other companies lightened up about cancel culture? Because now there is a free speech platform out there. Now now there's Twitter where you can have free speech. You have, you have rights to say whatever you want, whether it's true or not, whether it's helpful or not, but you have a right to say it because it's protected there. And um, that means YouTube is loosening up on some of its crackdown of what it would... Um, kick 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 like take people's videos videos down before before they have loosened that up because they know if they kick so and so off of youtube for saying for telling what they want to say that person can just go over to twitter and all that audience just goes over to twitter and youtube loses popularity facebook knows if it kicks somebody off then that person just goes and says what they want to on twitter and then facebook loses that audience and Facebook becomes less popular, and Twitter rises. So the fact that Elon Musk— thats this is what I call the Elon effect, is that the fact that he made one place where people could go and tell the truth, now all the other social media companies have to fall in line or they lose out when they try to cancel somebody. They can't collaborate anymore to take someone's voice down. That's why they could do it with Trump, because YouTube and Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and all those companies— they were all holding hands behind each other's backs. You know, they, they act like they're competitors, and in some sense, they are. But behind the scenes, they all had the same political agenda. They all wanted to see Trump go. And so the, all of them, on the same day, were taking Donald Trump's social media platform down. You know, all of them did it in tandem. It was a coordinated assault on our First Amendment. Um, now that Twitter isn't holding hands with them anymore, free speech has a place. Free speech has a voice. Free speech can be sustained. The social media continues on for a little bit longer. And so Elon Musk, I just want to say thank you. Uh, I'm, you know, I don't know if you're a fan of this podcast, but uh, I just want to tell you, we appreciate what you've done for the First Amendment and for making social media companies across the board a better place to be. All right. Let's talk about a few other things before we close down. Let's do something we haven't done in a while. Let's talk about what's racist for this week. Okay, so the first one here is from Peta, and so you know this is going to be great. Uh, white cow's milk is the perfect drink for supremacists. So I want you to know that that drinking white milk that is a sign of white supremacy. If you did not know, and that to prove this, they talk about a scene in the movie Get Out, which is a very, uh, very, pretty good movie, but it's it's a movie about race and all that stuff. And I guess the the white supremacists in that movie. Um, they drink white milk. And so anyway, that is that is one of the evidences that white milk is just a, a, a sign of white supremacy because a black guy made a movie that had white supremacists drinking white milk. There you go. Now we know. But not just a white drink, guys. Coffee is also racist. Uh, according to AFRU, I cannot figure out from their website what AFRU stands for. You go to their About page and they, are, they just refer to themselves as AFRU. Anyway, they run a headline that says... Um, For those of you who like dark drinks also, got some bad news. Coffee is racist. Well, they asked the question, is coffee racist? How drinking coffee perpetuates white supremacy created by black people for black people and now a pillar of white supremacist capitalism. If you consume coffee, you are helping an industry built on racism. That is from the AFRU, whatever they are. So I just don't know what I'm allowed to drink. (laughs) I got some bad news for them. I'm as white as a polar bear in a snowstorm watching Friends, and I drink my coffee, and I drink it black. So (laughs) I got some bad news for them. Um, One more. This is from The Inquirer. Is the word picnic racist? How to deal with questions about language right now. I'm pretty sure this one's come up before on this segment, that uh, picnic for what—I can't even remember why, but— But I like their subhead on this article. How do we have these necessary conversations about language without sounding like the language police? (laughs) This is a necessary conversation, guys, as to if the word picnic is racist. Okay, let's pause here. You know, let's get away from all this stupid and let's listen to a message from our president.
1: More than half the women in my cabinet, more than more than half the people in my cabinet, more than half of the women in, the, in my administration are women.
0: Well, you heard it right there, guys. Women are women, or his women are women. Uh, which actually, I'm <laughs> just gonna leave that there. That brings me to a pretty interesting story uh, from a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Riley Gaines. Now, you want to talk about threats to our First Amendment? Is this? Um, this swimmer, a female athlete Riley Gaines, as uh, she goes around and speaks at colleges about how male swimmers are uh, you know claiming to be females and then winning all these awards and beating all the natural actual women uh, in the races. And so she was like literally violently attacked when she went to speak at a college. She had to run, flee from the room. She was barricaded inside of another room while this mob of protesters uh, were basically trying to kidnap and assault her. And, um, so anyway, that, 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 that is actually, you know, we want to talk about threats to our first amendment freedoms. Um, now that the Twitter, that now that the social media thing's been handled, you know, we might need to talk about what's going on at these, at these colleges. They're just breeding, um, radical socialists who cannot handle hearing ideas that they don't agree with. They turn violent and, uh, that that's, that's becoming a major problem. So anyway, Riley Gaines though, a few weeks before this, uh, before what I was just talking about. So she goes to speak at the University of Pittsburgh, and a professor named Gabby Yearwood, this is a male professor, um, he she, so she, so he came to debate her points that there are biological differences between men and women. And so she asks him a question. She says, if you dug up a set of bones, because this professor is an anthropo- archaeologist or anthropologist or whatever. She says, if you dug up a set of bones that was 100 years old, could you tell whether the set of bones was a male or a female? Now, biologically, guys, scientifically, yes, there are skeletal differences between a male and a female. That This would actually be something a scientist could very easily determine. <laughs> he says no, and then the entire room starts laughing. I kind of forget, but I actually have a question for you. You being an anthropologist, which anthropology is the study of human civilization? Wild human? Human, wild. So if you were to dig up a human, two humans, and 100 years from now, both man and woman, could you tell the difference? Strictly off of bones. No. Because it's a migraine. of...
1: <laughs>
2: Over
0: 150 years of data. I'm just, I'm just curious as to why I'm being laughed at. When I have, I, I actually. So I don't know if you could hear it there because it was, it was recorded on someone's cell phone, and so it got a little bit difficult to pick everything out. But so he's, he's protesting here. He's saying, "Why is everybody laughing at me? I'm the expert." <laughs> he says, "I'm the expert. Why are you laughing at me that I can't tell the difference in men and women?" <laughs> he's like. I you know I know more than you. I have a Ph.D. That's what he actually says. So I you know I can tell you um, there's no way to know the difference in a man and a woman. And everyone's just laughing at him. And the, my point in bringing all this up is that the experts are are idiots. You know, and these people who think that they are the most intelligent out there um, that that they think that they can tell you what is misinformation, what is truth. You know, to my point earlier, these people have no idea what they're talking about. The more, they, the more they go to college, the dumber they seem to get. I, I, we could go through example after example of that. <laughs> but anyway, that, that, that is the, uh, the arrogance that these people have, though. They say, why are you laughing at me? I'm the expert. Well, they're laughing at you because you said something incredibly stupid, something that a four-year-old knows better than. And um, you think that because you have a PhD that you can say whatever you want and we're just going to listen to you. Just like, again, like Anthony Fauci and all these other people. Who think that that because they, you know, stand up there behind a lectern and work for the government that they can tell you um, v- absolutely stupid information about how to protect yourself from COVID, and too much of the population just kind of eats it up and thinks, oh yeah, they're the experts. They're going to tell us the truth. The experts are morons, guys. You know, don't if, if anyone has to tell you that they're an expert, they, you probably shouldn't listen to anything that they have to say <laughs> because experts. The experts said Donald Trump would never win in 2016, right? That they were coming out and saying the day before the election of 2016, he has a 99% chance of losing, and then he won. Is it because he beat the odds, or were they just wrong about their calculations? The experts don't know anything. I want to close down in just a moment before I do. I'll just mention if you want to get in touch with me at fake news, a fiery, but mostly peaceful podcast. If you want to send me some hate mail, the way to do that is to go to fiery, but peaceful at gmail.com. That's also down in the show notes. Go ahead and send, send any information you want to send through that. Um, If you want to get, stay in touch throughout the week at fake news weekly on Twitter, Elon Musk's platform, which I'm very proud to be a part of. I haven't got to the point yet where I want to want to spend $8 a month for a blue check um, which is probably why my Twitter account r- really needs some help <laughs> in followers. So go follow me on Twitter. Uh, share this podcast if you think it's good information, and if you think a previous episode was good information, please share it. Please subscribe. Appreciate that. If you like Bible studies, uh, I do have another Bible. Po- or I have another podcast. It's called Cross References. It really has nothing to do with news. Or current events but um it's kind of my main podcast and i put new episodes of that one up on mondays so i just had one come out yesterday um if or uh i'll put this out on wednesday because i've been putting out a lot of episodes in a very short order i'll put this out wednesday so i have a new episode out every about every monday um go look up cross references wherever you find this podcast you can also find cross references okay some closing thoughts we call ourselves conservatives that's what i have always defined myself I don't always identify myself as a Republican, but I will always say I'm conservative because I believe in conserving um, our our nation's Judeo-Christian heritage, and I believe in conserving the Constitution. So when I say that I'm a conservative, that's what I'm talking about. It's not how the left wants to define conservatism. You know, they say, oh, you want to bring back the days of 1950s racism or slavery, you know, all their ridiculous crap that they say. That's not what I'm trying to, to cons- that's long gone. You can't conserve it. It's long gone. Um, we're trying to conserve, which really, there, a lot of our values that I would like to say that I'd like to conserve, they actually are long gone. So that's kind of getting to, what I'm wanting to get to here. Conservatism, the idea of trying to conserve something from the past, because we don't believe that this new, that progressivism is actual progress. We believe it's actually regressive and and that holding to our traditional values would actually serve our country better in the long run. That's what it means to be a conservative. So conservatives, another way of thinking about them is preservatives, right? You think of your preservatives, your salt. You put it in something to make it last longer. And that's what we're doing, okay? You, I, you've heard of those McDonald's french fries. And for whatever chemicals they put in them, <laughs> they pump them so full of preservatives, you drop your french fry in between the car seat and it, it, the seat of your car and if you find it six months later apparently you can still stick it in your mouth and it tastes just as good as before i'm not advising that you try that but that's what i've heard i i would actually probably believe it because i think i haven't had mcdonald's food in like a decade and um and part of it is why i was like i don't feel like i ever digested i think it just sits there and um i'm I'm not, I'm not gonna eat another mcdonald's sandwich till i'm finished digesting the last one i had so anyway um conservatives are preservatives we are trying to preserve something and the thing about being a conservative is that you're you're playing a losing game that's what we're doing is we're actually playing a losing game because we're trying to preserve something that can't last forever because nothing can last forever the thing about being being a conservative is that eventually you lose Eventually, you do lose out. You lose your country. You lose your constitution. Eventually, the radicals somehow are going to take over, whether that's in 2024, whether it's in 2028, whether it's in 2050, whether it's 100 years from now. Eventually, America will die. Eventually, everything falls apart and the nation's reborn and something new happens and the old things die. Conservatives always lose (laughs) at some point. (laughs) Hate to break it to you if you never thought about it that way but eventually this thing that you're trying to conserve eventually it collapses and something new has to be made and if it's good then you try to preserve that and the whole thing starts over um sorry to be a debbie downer if that's depressing to you i'm not depressed about it that's just a fact of life and if you look in history at the rise and fall of empires you look at a at a country like America, which is basically a world empire, they tend to last about 250 years, 275 years, which is right where we're at in this country. We're like at the 250-year mark. We are right around the time that, that empires do tend to fall. And so, we I mean, if you look at the lifeline of a of an empire, uh, the, the, uh, the life cycle of an empire, we're right there at the end of it. And that's—I'm not trying to—I'm not really depressed about it. I'm just saying I acknowledge reality. So— conservatives are preservatives and they always lose (laughs) that before you get too depressed about that then they when the thing that they're trying to preserve dies they create something new and uh hopefully better and they try it again you know so it's it's gonna it's gonna come back around it's gonna take some time dark times could be ahead your kids might not have it as good as you had it but you're hopefully your your grandkids or your great-grandkids have something a lot better and so anyway we can't save America. We can't save America. As in, we can't make it last forever. But it's our job to try to make it last as long as possible. And um, that's why I appreciate what Elon Musk has done. Because after what happened in 2021, with our with a sitting president being kicked off the social media platform, and it and at this point, I mean, the left wing is in control of the presidency, the Congress, the the media. Hollywood, which is our entertainment culture, our music culture, they're in control of the colleges, basically all the institutions in this country, except for the Supreme Court, the left has captured it, which means we're just kind of hanging on by a thread, (laughs) okay? 2021, the Senate was 50-50, as divided as can be, and as soon as those Democrats can get 50 plus one votes to pass whatever they want through, they go for it, which means this country's, its days are numbered. Okay, that's just the reality of the situation. If they had one more senator, the the country would (laughs) probably be burning to the ground right now. Um, That's how close things are. They control the social media platforms, or they used to. They control the social media platforms. They can shut up whoever they want to shut up and say whatever they want to say. And they have an authoritarian mindset. They are totalitarians. They are dictatorial. They are fascists, the fascists that they claim that we are. That is exactly what they do all day. So conservatives just they don't have that spirit in them you know that that sad to say progressives have an authoritarian spirit within them that they don't just want to have their opinion they want to kill you for having your opinion they want to silence you they want to take you out of the public square they want everyone to just submit to what they want and um, that's not how conservatives are we're willing to live and let live you know we're willing to say uh, I'll do my thing and you do your thing and we're not playing with people who believe that same thing. So when they get the opportunity, when they get the power, they will try to crush you off of social media. And uh, and that means that, you know, we're playing a losing game. If you're a conservative, we're playing a losing game. Uh, we can't save America. We can only try to make it last as long as possible. This American experiment, this First Amendment, the Second Amendment, we can't make it work forever, but we can try to make it work for as long as possible. And We were so much on the threat of losing it all just a couple years ago. But what Elon Musk came in and did by buying Twitter, that's helped us to go on just a bit longer. That has preserved our freedoms for a bit longer, maybe for the next generation. We can keep this thing going. Um, Thank you to Elon Musk. And thank you for listening to Fake News, a fiery but mostly peaceful podcast. This has been Luke Taylor reminding you, if you hear the experts telling you anything, that's just fake news.